We have many visitors and guests with us today. We're glad all of you are here, and uh, we just hope the Lord will touch your heart and bless you with the fellowship and uh, the preaching of God's Word and the encouragement that comes from all of the good music and these precious hymns that we sing and celebrate each Sunday. Uh, what a blessing they are to us. Music is so powerful, isn't it? Especially when it's combined with the truth of God's Word. And uh, I, I just uh, enjoy it so much, and uh, every song is good. Hey, we had a great Christmas. How about you? I hope you had a good time celebrating with friends and family and uh, worshiping the Lord, lifting Him up. And I'm glad to be back in the house of the Lord today. Are you? Amen. 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 I see heads nodding and smiles and all of that, so I, I trust you did as well. We're glad all of you are here. We're hoping you had a great time uh, celebrating your Christmas. And here we are, right, the Sunday before the end of the year. And I was thinking about today, and uh, I thought, wow, you know, this is really... This is the last Sunday of the year. Isn't that something? It kind of sneaks up on you. You don't really realize it. But here we are, the last Sunday of 2021. And we're going into 2022. How many of you never thought we'd see 2022, right? It's, like, it's almost like a sci-fi movie or something. We're like, wow, uh, just amazing. But here we are. And uh, we're, we're about to turn that corner and enter in. This is the last week of the year, the last Sunday. I like to refer to this week as inventory week. It's just a time, you know how businesses do. They, they take inventory and they, they kind of count up everything they have. What they're doing is they're, they're, they're kind of seeing where they're at. You know, how many assets do we have? What's our, what's our cost? They determine all of their values and different things by those calculations and those numbers. You know, I think it's wise for Christians to do a little inventory once in a while also. And so we're going to be talking about that. I, I thought since this is the last Sunday of the year, what I'd like to really do is, is preach a message that's encouraging, helpful. And so that's my desire. I, I hope it'll be received that way. So with that in mind, grab your Bibles, if you would, and let's turn to Philippians chapter 4. And we're just going to look at a familiar verse. This message today is like 100 proof. It is 100% it is doctrinal encouragement, all right? And so I hope this will be a great shot in the arm as we take some inventory this week and get ready to round that corner and go into 2022. I want us to go in strong. I want us to go in ready. I want us to go in equipped to do what God has for us to do in the coming year. You know, because we're going to see that God believes and we should believe that we can. We can do what God wants us to do. Amen. And so with that in mind, if you have Philippians 4, stand with me, if you would, for the reading of God's Word. Just one verse this morning, a very familiar verse, verse 13. All right, let's look there together. We're going to have prayer, then we'll read that verse. We're going to read it a couple of times, and then we'll be seated. All right, let's pray together. Father, how we love you today, and how we thank you for a wonderful season, a wonderful time of celebration, getting together with family and friends, and now the privilege to gather around your Word and be encouraged. Lord, help us to take heart, to look up. Lord, because our redemption draweth nigh. May we take hope and take heart in your word this morning. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Verse 13, look at it with me if you would. The Bible says, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. These are the words of the Apostle Paul. I'm not sure anyone endured more hardship in their life, and the Apostle Paul did. And yet, instead of 
you know, having a dark and gloomy outlook on life and ministry and service and others, he writes this, I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. Would you look at that verse and read it aloud with me together? Let's just read that verse together one time. Verse 13, ready? I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. Thank you so much. You may be seated. From this verse, I want to preach a message this morning that I've entitled simply, I can. I can. That may sound like a simple title, maybe a simple sermon, maybe a simple verse. But I want to ask you to stop for a moment and consider what Paul is saying. And I want to ask you this question. Do you really believe that you can? Now, while that may seem overly simplistic to you, I want to remind you, I've met a lot of people in my journey who just don't have that basic belief with them every day. Instead of a mindset that says, I can, they seem to be saddled with a mindset that says, I can't. Maybe it's because of the difficulties they've been through. Maybe it's because of the environment that they've come from. Maybe it's because of the limitations that they have felt and sensed in their own life. But for whatever reason, I've noticed there are people that really struggle with that outlook on life, and their determination is more often, I can't, than I can. But that's not what God says. That's not what the Apostle Paul writes, encouraging those who know the Lord as their Savior. He doesn't say, I can't. He doesn't say, I might. He doesn't say, I would if I could. He said, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. That's one of the reasons why I wanted you to read that verse aloud also. Because when we read God's word, especially this passage, this verse puts us in first person as we read with Paul and say, I can. Would you say those two words together with me one more time? Ready? I can. You know, not only do we need to say that more often, but we need to believe that. And we need to act on it. We need to quit looking at opportunity and telling ourselves, I can't. We need to quit looking at ministry and telling ourselves, I can't. Look, we have a God who can. The question was put forth in the scriptures. Can God furnish a table in the wilderness? Well, those who have read the Bible class, can we answer that question? The answer is, yes, God can. And I'm so thankful for the great message that was preached in days gone by entitled, God Can. Because we often pose that as a question, can God? Absolutely God can. And we need to remember that God can. You see, the reality is every generation needs to know that God can. Every individual, every believer, every Christian who walks with Christ needs to hear the words and say them. I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. It wasn't just true for Paul. That, that, that verse isn't in the Bible because Paul was an apostle and he had some special ability. If you read the word well, you know that Paul was a man just like us. And while he was an apostle and there were some special things given to that office, 
He still struggled as a man and had many challenges in his life and ministry. What about the thorn of the flesh that he wrote about? The messenger of Satan, he said, to buffet me. What about the trials and afflictions? Oh, the afflictions. He told us what they were. Could you imagine? Insurmountable. He called those his light affliction. I read that in amazement. I think, man, light affliction. You know, you know what that is for us. Light affliction to us is, man, it's raining and it's time for church. We call that affliction. Oh, man, I went to church and nobody shook my hand. That, that's light affliction to us. But do you know what he was talking about? He was talking about beatings and shipwreck and betrayals, stoning, being left for dead. Wow. And I wonder, could we endure that? Do we have the heart to endure what he endured? I don't know about the heart, but I, I want you to know based on God's word and this verse in particular, we have the ability. We have the strength available to us. Now, whether we tap into it or not, that's the question. Paul said, I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. He didn't say I could do some things. He didn't say I could do most things. He said, I can do all things. Do you believe that this morning? If so, then I want you to know this verse means, if it's true, we can do all things. It means I can, I can do every duty. Every duty. Think about that. Hey, that'll challenge your character. You look at your to-do list. You look at your schedule for the week, and so often... We just sigh, anticipating all the things we have to do. But the Bible says, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. I can do every duty. Colossians 3.17 says, And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. So we're to do as believers what we do in Jesus' name. That means as if we're representing Him while we do it. Colossians 3.23 says, And whatsoever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men. What does that mean? It means every task, every project that you do, you're supposed to be acting like you're doing that for the Lord. In other words, you do it with that kind of quality. Do your best. Do it heartily, the Bible says, as to the Lord. If you were doing something for Jesus, how well would you do it? If you were doing something that, that you were going to give to him, that he was going to inspect when you were done, how much heart would you put into that? How much joy would you put into that? Would you do it begrudgingly? Would you do it complaining and murmuring, bickering? Would you do it kicking the cabinets the whole time? Surely not. We're to put the same joy, the, the same effort, the same quality, the same care into our daily tasks as we would something that we were working on for our Savior. The Bible says it so. This is what you and I need to remember and think about as we go about our day, as we live our lives, as we work, and as we, because this is how we represent Christ, by doing it like this, by having this attitude, this mindset, uh, this, this heartfelt attention to the matter. You know, when we say with Paul, I can do all things, I can do every duty, boy, it just removes all the excuses, doesn't it? 
get her done becomes a biblical statement. <laughs> we need to just work for the Lord and do our best. But not only that, we can endure every trial. What does the Bible say about trials? 1 Peter 4.12 says, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened unto you. But rejoice, insomuch as ye are the partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. The Bible says, because we go through trials... One day we're going to be able to rejoice having been through that because it's going to connect us to Christ in a, in a way that nothing else will. Isn't it interesting? My wife and I were talking about, you know, as a believer, we have connections that other people don't have. And she was at work the other day and another Christian was in conversation asking a question. It, it was like a creative witness situation. So, so here's what happened. So the lady said to another coworker. She was singing about uh, deep and wide, right? And she was singing that little kid's song, deep and wide, there's a fountain flowing deep and wide. And she asked another coworker, who was not a Christian, have you been to the well that runs deep and wide? And the other lady said, the well, what are you talking about? She said, well, Miss Hope's been, haven't you? And she said, oh, yes. She knew what she was talking about. And it was interesting, they kind of made a connection there that the other lady didn't connect on. Why? But there's no witness. Isn't it nice when our spirit bears witness with another believer? And we can talk for five minutes and it feels like we've known each other all our lives. Isn't that interesting? We have those connections. And you know what? That is what's going to happen when we get to heaven. Our, the trials of our lives are going to connect us to Christ. We're going to be able to relate to him and he to us in, in, in very specific ways that we wouldn't know otherwise. Our trials are valuable, and, and the Bible talks about our trials. The Bible says that it's not a strange thing when trials happen to you. Why? Because, because God allows trials in our life. God, as a matter of fact, God uses trials in our life. It's, it's one of the tools in his toolbox to, to work on us, to grow us, to help us. James said this in James chapter 1, verse 3. He said, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire or, or complete and whole, wanting nothing or lacking nothing. So how do you become a Christian who doesn't lack? By going through trials that create patience, that develop and mature you in ways that you could not be developed otherwise. You know, trials make us connect with others and relate to others trials help us have compassion also with others don't they we have more mercy and more compassion because of things we go through than we would have otherwise if we had never gone through that we might be a little more harsh a little less patient a little more judgmental of someone who maybe is going through something similar God uses trials not only in our connection with others but in, in our own life also and he said that he refers to trials as the trying of your faith. It's one of the molding tools that God uses on us. Think about it. We can do every duty. We can endure every trial. Guess what? We can, we can brave every suffering. 
If it is true we can do all things, then suffering must be included in that because that's another thing that God does allow. For us as believers, we do suffer sometimes. 1 Peter 5.10 says, But the God of all grace, who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered a while, make you perfect. That word means mature. It means complete. So he said, after you've suffered a while... What's going to happen? The God of all grace is going to make you perfect. He said it's going to do three things. It's going to establish, strengthen, and settle you. And when we think about a mature person, isn't that what we think about? Someone who's established, someone who's settled, and someone who's strong. Right? They're not flighty, and they don't just get bumped with everything that comes by because they're mature. Well, that means they've been through some things that brought them to that place. And so God in our life as well, he is the great mentor. And he does superintend all of our development and our Christian growth. And he allows trials and sufferings in our life in order to establish, strengthen, and settle us. 1 Peter 4, 16 says, Yet if any man suffers a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. 1 Peter 4.19 says, Wherefore, let them that suffer according to the will of God commit the keeping of their souls to Him in well-doing as unto a faithful Creator. That verse implies many things, but I, I, I often think about the hard, harsh sufferings of life. Sometimes we get into things that are so hard, all we can do is commit ourselves to Him. You've heard the old expression, Tie a knot and hold on. And I thought, oh my, you know, you know, some trials of life, it's kind of like a roller coaster ride that you get on that's spinning out of control, you know. And, and man, when you're on one of those, you, you don't get up and walk a straight line. When you're riding through one of those things, all you do is grab the bar and just hold on for dear life, right? And you don't do much of anything until you get out to the other side. Then, then it's like, whew, the first thing you think of is, oh my, I, I made it, I survived. And after that, you laugh and enjoy. And then you say, after you're getting off the ride, that was fun. <laughs> right? That's how life is. We go through those hard things, and it isn't until a little afterwards that we can look back and say, oh, I see why God let me go through that. We went through a hard experience in our college days very hurtful experience that actually left some scars on us. But then a, a little while later, a few years later, I took a ministry and I had to deal with some people that, that were of a certain mindset. There were things going on in that area and it caused us to reflect. And I thought, man, you know, we were able to relate to those people and connect with them and we were able to help them. When I left that, that ministry, that pastorate, some of the people said there that I was the best pastor they'd ever had. And I don't say that to pat myself on the back. I just say that to, as proof that we were able to connect and minister to them. And, and God used us greatly there. But, but we looked back and saw the reason why. And I ended up doing what I never thought I would do. I looked back and I said, now I know why I had to go through that. Thank you, God, for allowing me to experience that so that I could see through the lens that these people were looking at life through 
and help them. Because the guy that was there before me was not able to help them because he couldn't see what they saw. You know, when you're helping somebody in the faith, when you're, when you're discipling somebody or mentoring somebody in the Christian life, you know, you got to start where they are and then try to help them get where they need to go. But none of that will work if you can't see where they're at. And that was the problem. God brought us there to help them. But before that, God had to take us through some things. We can brave every suffering because Christ is with us. Not only that, we can overcome temptation. Aren't you glad that God not only saves our souls from hell and delivers us from sin, but God gives us power in this life to do amazing things. One of those things is that we can overcome temptation. The Bible says about temptation in James 1.14, it says, But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. What does that verse teach us? It teaches us that the real temptation happens here. The devil's like a fisherman. He, he just knows what lure to cast in front of you. The Bible refers to temptation as our own lust. You know, you ought to write out in the margin next to that verse, weakness within, because that's what it really is. And so the devil knows how to appeal to your weakness within. He knows what lure to put in front of you to shake up your world and, and, and get you out of focus and get you to latch on to something that's going to hurt you. He's trying to trip you up because he knows you're following the Lord. And temptation is one of those tools that he uses so well. And why does he still use it? Because it still works. Because human nature is the same as it's always been. You know, one of the sad things about life is about the time we get it figured out, it's over. The devil's been around a long time. He's, he's way ahead of us. He knows what works on us, and then he studies us individually a little bit to know which profile it is. It's kind of like if you were fishing, what type of fish are you trying to catch? Then you'd go to that, kind of, that set of lures, right? And then you'd look at your environment a little bit, and you'd say, okay, I need this one. And so the devil does that. He profiles you, and okay, that's what type of fish you are. Okay, here's my lure set. And then he watches, and he knows exactly at what moment to pull out which one. This right here, and he'll throw it out. So how long does it work? It works as long as there's a weakness within toward that thing, whatever it is. It only works as long as you desire it. When you conquer your own desire, the devil is powerless in your life. He can throw whatever lure he wants in front of you. And guess what? You're like the fish that ain't biting. It's not happening. The devil's powerless. Hey, you know what? He can only do what, what is allowed. He can only do what you allow him to do. It's encouraging to think that, to understand that. It's empowering to know it. Colossians 1.11 says, You and I have been strengthened with all might according to his power. Think about that. We're not strengthened with our might, uh, all might according to our power, because uh, that wouldn't be very much, would it? We're strengthened with all might because we, we have access to his power and what it has done for us. Unto all patience and long suffering with joyfulness. 
giving thanks unto the Father. This is Colossians 1, by the way, 11, 12, and 13. Giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son. There's a lot of people who are saved, and they know they've been translated, but they don't realize they've been delivered from the power of darkness. Hey, you know what that means? That means you have the power to say no. You have the authority to say no to the devil. Recently, I've been mentoring a guy online because I set up Christian mentorship, and I've been working on that. And so he just kind of started messaging me and asking questions about the faith and life and different things, and so I've been kind of trying to help him. It's interesting because he shared some struggles with me, and it reminded me of a message that I preached on Matthew 4. Matthew 4, if you remember, it it shows us the temptation of Christ. And he's in the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights, bombarded with temptation. But the Bible gives us an example of three temptations that Jesus faced. And then the Bible says the devil left him. And as I was reading that passage one day, it just occurred to me, wow, when did the devil leave? When did he he just leave Jesus alone? Well, 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 listen, he never quit completely. He's always going to come back and try again and come back and try again and come back and try again. But in this occasion, he he decided to stop tempting Jesus. Why did he do that? Because the verse before that, Jesus finally said, get thee hence. And those words reveal to us that the mind of Jesus was made up. The devil threw out his lures, but guess what? There was no desire within the heart of Christ to take that lure. So the lure had no effect. Listen, if you're struggling and your goal is to lose a few pounds, then you don't go sit at the donut counter, right? And for those of you that really struggle with that, okay, I'm going to give you the secret. The secret is... When you lose the desire for donuts, then they no longer have power over you. Hey, the reality is, at that moment, you could sit at the donut counter all day and really never feel the power of that struggle because the desire's gone. Isn't that good? You know why Christians struggle with sin in their life? Because they still got the desire in here. Their own lust. And what the devil does is he knows it's present, so he takes that lure and he throws it out your way and he reels it on by. And he knows that's tantalizing the desire within you. He's pulling on your weakness. What you have to do is not conquer the devil. The challenge of the Christian life is to conquer yourself. Conquer your own desire. Kill that thing. Die to the flavor of donuts, (laughs) and you'll be fine. I know, I know some of you are saying, yeah, but it's Krispy Kreme. I know, I know. But I want you to know God has delivered you from that. You have the power to say no. You can turn that off if you want to. And what I had to share with this individual is, when you fail, is it God's fault? No, 
then don't ask questions like, why did God let this happen to me? Hey, who, who went and sat at the donut counter? <laughs> who placed the order? Don't blame it on God. If, if you failed by choice, right? Look, when we choose to give in, it's not God's fault, it's our fault. It's our failure. Because God delivered us from the power of darkness. Now, what we have to work on is that weakness within. We have to work on that desire that lives right in here that says, I want that, whatever it is. You fill in the blank. But I'm telling you this morning, when you conquer that desire, that's your turf, not his. When you conquer that desire, you have won. Not just that moment of temptation, but all temptation. It no longer appeals. Therefore, it's no longer temptation. So the devil came to Jesus and said, If thou be the Son of God, do this, do that, do this. Do you ever hear that anywhere else? Read your Bible. Do you know all the way up the road to the cross, you know what people were shouting? If thou be the Son of God, if thou be... Hey, you know when Jesus finally got on the cross, he's hanging there? Do you know what they said? If thou be the Son of God, deliver thyself and us. And I thought, those are the words from Matthew 4. Who spoke them first? The devil. And I thought, man, these crowds, these people, you know what they're doing? They're speaking the devil's words. Can the devil speak through people? Sure looked like it. And you know why that's so? Because he's able to put thoughts in here. The Bible calls them fiery darts. You know, the fiery darts of the devil, that's not temptations. Those are thoughts that the devil just flings right here. He passes them through your mind. Your job is to know where that thought came from, and when it's from him, keep it right on going. Kick it right out. You can't dwell on that stuff. Because if you do, he's setting you up for failure. And if Jesus had listened to any of those people, it would have got him off track in his mind, off course in his heart. That's what happens to us. But you know what Jesus did in Matthew 4? He shut the devil down because he had already conquered this. Right? He prayed in the garden, not my will, but thine be done. And I'm telling you, that's, it, it's hard. It's, 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 it's a simple concept, but it's extremely difficult. The hardest person for you to say no to is you. And if you're going to be a good Christian, you're going to have to learn how to say no to your own desire. No to self. James chapter 1 verse 12 says, Blessed is the man that endureth temptation. For when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. Hey, it's true. Paul said, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. It means I can do every duty, I can endure every trial, I can brave every suffering, I can overcome temptation. How do we do it? We do it with God's strength. Because Paul didn't say, I can do it. He said, I can do all things through Christ. Christ is where we get the power, through what he has done and through what he is and will do. He gives us access to the answers, to the strength that we need. It comes from his word. We, get, we, we grow spiritually. 1 Peter 2.2 2 says, 
as newborn babes, desire the sincere milk of the word. Why? That you may grow thereby. So guess what? Our growth is usually in proportion to our desire for the word. The Bible gives us the answers and tells us how to overcome the things that we face. Deuteronomy 8.3 says, And he humbled thee and suffered thee to hunger and fed thee with manna, which thou knewest not, neither did thy fathers know, that he might make thee know that man doth not live by bread only, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. We, listen, we don't just need material and physical sustenance. We need, we need spiritual strength and we need what God has for us. Don't neglect that. We also win not only with God's word, God strengthens us also through prayer. And he promised to do that with verses like Jeremiah 33, 3. Call unto me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Mark eleven twenty four, which says, Therefore I say unto thee, whatsoever thing you desire, when you pray, believe that you shall receive them and you shall have them. How about John 15, 7? If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. And there are many more. We call them prayer promises. God wants to answer your prayer more than you want him to. But we have to learn how to pray first. We have to make sure that we're not praying fleshly prayers, but we're praying prayers that are guided by God's spirit. We're asking for the right things. It's kind of like when your kids come and ask you for something crazy, you know. We can ask God for a million dollars. God may not be interested in giving you a million dollars. If we can't if we can't manage the money we have, why would he give us more? Maybe we don't have the capability to handle that size. Right? We have to grow first. Just an example. We we can ask for a Corvette and God might say, "Well, what you really just need is a car." Right? When we learn to pray, then God is able to work through our lives and he gives us those things that we pray for. So God wants to work in us so that we want what he wants for us. And when we learn to pray that way, it's called praying in the will of God. And when we pray that way, guess what? The Bible says if we ask those things, we know that we have the petitions that we've asked of him. So in other words, you know that prayer is answered before you ever kneel to pray it. No wonder the Bible says, and I think it's in Isaiah, before they call, I will answer, and while they're yet speaking, I will hear. I've literally had that happen in my life before as I prayed for things that I knew God wanted me to have and come home and find the answer. Wow, God was already answering this prayer a week before I prayed it. It's amazing. He said, through Christ, our efforts alone are insufficient. We need God's strength, God's help, we need to make sure we deal with the desire within, that we're actually using what God has given us. And when we do that, guess what? We win. Hey, aren't you glad? I'm on the winning side this morning. Are you? If you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, if you have God's Word in your lap, then you have access to all you need. So let's take advantage of it this year, and let's go forward saying, I can, instead of I can't. Not only this morning can you do every duty, endure every trial, brave every suffering, overcome temptation. Hey, guess what? You can be better next year than you were this year. You believe that? If you do believe that, I'm going to give you some questions to write down. Remember I said this is inventory week, right? Hey, this will help you. Seven questions. I'm telling you up front. Got it right fast. Here we go. Number one, take this week and ask these questions. 
Looking back at last year, here's the question. What did I do that I shouldn't have done? Oh, I know already. Ouch. Look, we're, we're all going to have some oohs and uh-ohs when we answer that one. What did I do that I should not have done this last year? Why do we ask that question? Because we want to learn from it. We want to know what to stay away from in 2022, right? You want to be better next year than, than you were last year? Okay. Ask that question. What did I do that I shouldn't have done? Number two, what didn't I do that I should have done? Man, this year's already gone. We're in the last year, and you're going to say, man, I should have. There's going to be some things that you're going to think of. I should have done this. I should have done that. But I didn't. I didn't do those things, and I should have. What are they? Write them down. List those things. Why? Because that's probably going to be on the top of the list of what you need to do for the coming year. Number three. What is the most important thing I did this year to help someone else? Can I tell you that's probably going to be the most convicting? Because we don't often think of someone else. We're often thinking of us. What can I do for me? What can I do to help me get better? What can I do to make my life easier? What can I do to make my schedule, uh, you know, more convenient? You know, I have found that if we don't, if we're not, if we don't, decide on purpose to serve others and think about others then we probably won't and we may have lived 2021 for ourselves let's not repeat that in 2022 right let's become the servants of christ hey what does the bible say you know by the way look let me just chase a little rabbit right here you know do you know how many people today are looking for happiness Go back and read John 13. You know what Jesus told us how to find happiness. Remember? He sat the disciples down. He put on that towel. What did he do? He washed their feet. Remember that? That doesn't mean you ought to go around washing people's feet. Literally, what he was trying to say is you need to serve others. Serve other people. Look around you. Find somebody and serve them. And then he said... Remember, because he was talking about how the servant's not greater than his Lord. And he said, I came to serve, not to be served. And he was trying to tell him, you need to be like me then. And he said, if you know these things, happy are ye if you do them. The way to find happiness is not looking for it. Happiness is a byproduct. If you want to find happiness, then you have to find what gives happiness. And Jesus told us the answer in John 13. Serving others is what brings happiness. Making a difference in somebody's life, that's what brings happiness. If you're a believer in the will of God, that's what God wants you to do. That's what brings happiness. Start doing that and see what happens. So the question is, number three, what is the most important thing I did this year to help someone else? That'll give you some ideas for next year. Number four, what did I do this year that helped me grow more than anything else? What was the single most thing that helped you grow more than anything else in 2021? That's the question. Number five, where do I need to be more intentional 
That means on purpose. What do I need to make a greater effort to do in the coming year that maybe I missed in the past year? What areas of my life do I need to be more intentional? Right? Write those down. Number six, how can I take things to the next level? That's kind of a generic question. You might want to make it specific. You might want to say, how do I take my marriage to the next level? How do I take my children to the next level? You may want to say, how do I take my career to the next level? You might get very specific, and you might say, how do I take my devotional life to the next level? How do I take my witnessing to the next level? Right? Whatever it is. How do I take things to the next level? Good question. Hey, can I tell you what? There's probably not one answer to that. There's probably going to be like some steps. So as you answer that question... The goal is to get all the way down, think it all the way through until you have the steps written down. They'll take you there. Number seven, last one. Who, there's a lot of what and where and how, but listen to this. Who can I ask for help and direction? Who can I ask for help and direction? You know, we all need to have mentors in our life. The Bible says there's safety in a multitude of counselors. Who can you go to for counsel and advice when you need it, in whatever area it is you're looking to grow and do better. Find somebody in that area that's good. Okay, I mentioned devotions. So you, you, you think of someone that's good at devotions and you know they have a good devotional life. You know, you need to go talk to them about it and say, how do you do have devotions? What do you do? What steps do you take? I mean, get them to walk you through it. And as they're talking, you listen because some other questions are going to come to mind when they're explaining what they do and how they do it. And you might have to ask them, how did you learn that? Where did you learn that? Why do you do it that way? There's probably a backstory. You'll probably get something out of that. You know, I'm, I'm convinced, especially as independent Baptists, can I just confess our sins this morning? I think one of the most detrimental things in our lives is that we isolate ourselves. We don't take advantage of advice and mentorship like we should. And as a parent at my age in life with my kids now grown, I'm looking back to day one and I'm thinking, man, why didn't I talk to my parents more? Pick their brain a lot more about what they were going through, how they got through life, how they handled things when they were having kids. Because I really meant what I said earlier. Man, life is short. Hey, by the time you get it figured out, it's almost over. And my mom said one time, why do you think they call it grandparenting? <laughs> it gets grand later on, huh? Well, uh, you know, wow. That, that has to mean we get better, right? So if we get better, how about let's turn around and let's offer at least let's offer this information that we've gained to the people coming after us i can't tell my kids how to parent their children i can't tell them how to win victory over their temptations i can't tell them how to get close to christ but i can tell them how i did some of those things i can offer it as advice hey this helped me but most often, I won't offer unless they ask. Amen. 
because I don't want to be that parent, you know what I mean? That's always telling them what to do. And Nah. Those kids don't listen to that anyway, do they? But how about us? Do we take advantage of those that have gone before us? There might be a good book you need to read this year. There might be somebody that you need to sit down and have a conversation with over the phone or in person, email or, or, or Skype or, or Zoom or whatever. Take advantage of that. Think about that. Ask God to show you, Lord, who can help me? Maybe you don't even know them yet. Maybe you're going to come across them this year. And God wanted you to hear this today so that when you meet them, you would say, hey, this is somebody right here I need to ask. Maybe so. But I think there's two things that we leave out of our Christian lives. We leave out seeking advice and finding a mentor, and we leave out mentoring others. Because I don't know everything, but I know some things. And there's some things I learned the hard way. I could help somebody with that. If I only would. They may ask or, or they may not even know to ask. Until they get where I'm at and look back and go, wow, I wish I had some help through that. Let me challenge you to be on the lookout as you look through life. Be on the lookout for people that are going through what you've been through and, and they are where you've been. Maybe you could come alongside them and just put an arm around them over a cup of coffee and just encourage them a little bit. And, and, and don't be a, a somebody that's telling them what to do all the time, but, but be somebody who just offers a little advice, offers a little help. And guess what? The ones that pick up on it, that's the ones you pour yourself into. They're going to want more of that. And you probably got more to give. Focus on them. God might put them in your life this year so you can help them. Wouldn't that be good? Then you would be helping somebody else. Hey, I'm telling you what. This year's been wow, right? Goods, bads, ups, downs, all of it. It's just been wow. Better than 2020, no doubt. But rough in some, some ways. Good in some ways. Maybe bad in some. How can we make 2022 better than 2021? I think with God's help, we can. Let's go into 2022 saying, I can. Amen? Let's pray. Father, how we love you today. How we thank you for the strength, for the power that you've made available to us. The wisdom of your words and the truth of this verse. I can. Lord, you told Mary, the angel told Mary, that with God, nothing shall be impossible. So, Lord, help us take these truths to heart and walk with you into the new year. After taking a little time to pause and reflect, help us learn a few lessons, write down a few things to get a plan. And with that plan, Lord, in your presence, may we go forward with confidence, with the belief that we can through Christ. And may we be better in the coming year than we were in the past. And Lord, we already thank you in advance for what you're going to do because we believe you and we trust you. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen.